You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. You're listening to DolphinsTalk.com Daily, the most listened to daily Miami Dolphins podcast on the internet. Come on, Dolphins fans. Time to fins up. Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. Good evening, Miami Dolphins fans. How are you today? And thank you for listening to DolphinsTalk.com Daily on this Wednesday, September the 29th. I am your host, Mike, joined as always by 2020 Miami Dolphins Fan of the Year, Ian Berger. Ian, how are you doing today? Fins up, Mike. Happy uh, Happy Wednesday Eve tonight. We're uh, we're going to be talking about some some Miami Dolphins football, which is always yes, always good all, when we're talking. Always Miami a lot Dolphins to talk football. about. Because yep. one thing about the Miami Dolphins, win or lose, it's never boring. Never, <laughs> never boring. So first off, as always, big shout out to everyone watching at finheaven.com. Everyone go to finheaven.com, the largest Miami Dolphins message board on the internet, and of course, everyone watching on the I Am a Miami Dolphins fan Facebook group run by the great Carlos Hernandez. And if you're watching this on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to the channel and smash that like button. So everyone on YouTube, subscribe and smash. It's that simple. Uh, One bit of housekeeping at the top. This Saturday, Hard Rock Stadium, 4.30 p.m. The Don Shula Celebration of Life will be taking place. It is free to attend, but you must RSVP at MiamiDolphins.com. So for those of you in the South Florida area, Saturday, nothing to do. Want to go to the Don Shula Celebration of Life. Everyone in attendance will get a commemorative patch. Don Shula, 347 wins. You know, the patch that they wore last year. Um, There's going to be a lot of speakers there from the Shula family, former players. It's also alumni weekend, so a lot of former players will be in town, obviously. So for those of you in town, South Florida this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Head over to Hard Rock Stadium, but first, make sure to RSVP at MiamiDolphins.com. Ian, you're going to be there. Yes, sir. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to attending, seeing some of the other Miami Dolphins fans, and hearing from the alumni players and alumni coaches, if there are any that will be out, out there. And I'm sure Joe Rose will be out there. I'm sure uh, uh, Mr. Travis. Marino. Yeah, Mr. Marino, probably Travis Wingfield will be out there emceeing it as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a good event. You know, obviously for sad reasons, but, um, but paying our respects to the great non Shula, I think is going to be pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yep. And so everyone just wanted to mention that let's get to the news practice Wednesday for the dolphins. Miami dolphins wide receiver, Will Fuller, who actually played a nice game last Saturday is injured. He missed practice, uh, with a elbow chest injury. Don't know how serious it is. We'll find out as the week goes on, but Will Fuller did miss practice on Wednesday. Linebacker Jerome, Baker, who played all 83 snaps on defense last week against the Raiders, has a hamstring issue. He was limited in practice, so he did participate some. And center Michael Dieter was also limited in practice with a foot or quad injury. So those two, we'll see how the week goes on. And, of course, Will Fuller uh, will check his status here in the coming days in the lead-up to Sunday. In other news, and we're just going to mention this, we're not going to harp on it because I know it gets people – Jay Glazer on Sunday, Fox Sports had a report that, you know, 
Watson, that Houston has softened their stance on Watson and what they will accept in a trade in return, and that Miami's still the most likely landing spot, and that Miami's still interested. So that came out Sunday. Wednesday afternoon, Jake Glazer sort of said, keep an eye on this, something might be happening. What that means, nobody knows, just per Jake Glazer, Wednesday afternoon, something may be happening, and when it does, we'll talk about it until it does nothing really to say. So, Ian, let's talk about the loss to the Raiders in overtime. You know, it, that game is what you call an NFL roller coaster. Dolphins get up 14 nothing. You're on you're, you're on a high. Then next thing you know, they're down 25-14. <laughs> Don't know how that happened. Well, yeah, I do, actually. Down 25-14. They tie it up. They get to overtime. Then they lose in overtime. So what are your just big-picture thoughts in the loss to the Raiders? So, you know, I, I purposely watch the away games at my home in my living room, partly because I get to watch with my family, but then other also because it's so emotional for me. I think I've mentioned it to you before, you know, so we're up 14, nothing like I'm jumping up around, you know, especially after the Landon Roberts interception return for a touchdown. I'm like jumping my my uh, wife is looking at me and laughing at me for my for the way that I'm reacting, you know, but then they then the safety happens and I get like deeper in my seat. And then they score, I get deeper in my seat and then they score again. And I'm just like, this can't be happening. And then they take the lead. Right. And it's like, I can't believe the way that this game is going. But, you know, when you look at when you look at how things played out, the offense couldn't get anything going at all, you know, and until the fourth quarter, you know, and that's when you started seeing Brissett throwing those 45, 50 yard pass attempts, even though they weren't made, you know, they weren't being completed you saw him kind of testing that backfield, testing the, the cornerbacks and the, and the safeties back there. So um, I, I was extremely happy that we made it to overtime. You know, that that last set of plays, those last two plays, the touchdown by Brissett where he ran it in and he kind of faked one way and ran into the end zone. And then that two-point conversion afterwards, you had to be kind of perfect with both of those plays because it was fourth down for the one with what I think there were like eight seconds left at the time. Um, and then with the other, it was, you don't make the two point conversion. The game is over. So the fact that we made it to overtime, I felt, you know, I was so excited because I thought we could squeak out of here with a victory, um, you know, and then, and then overtime happened and and their team just was better than ours. And our defense, unfortunately could not hold them back and could not prevent them from, driving down the field twice, right, for two separate field goals. Um, so, you know, again, there's plenty of blame to go around. But from a positive perspective, I will say this. Number one, the fact that we were in that game with right now the the league's leading passing yard quarterback, I think that was actually something that was pretty good, the fact that we were stay, staying so close with them. Um, and secondly, we saw a different team. Then we saw the week before in Buffalo where we couldn't score any points. So I think that that was encouraging that we were able to get some points on the board. What And I know we're going to talk about this this uh, a little bit later when we talk about the upcoming big game. But if we could translate what we saw for the second half of the fourth quarter and overtime regarding the offense and the defense can make some stops. You know, this could be a scary team. We just we just don't seem to be able to 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 put those types of plays together to scare them to think that we're going to throw the ball down the field, and that has been that's been everything this whole season. I think last week, actually, on our show last week, I said how many passes have we had over thirty yards, and there were none. 
you know, now all of a sudden you got three, three pretty much within a five minute time period, you know, in that, in that game last weekend. So, um, I was, I was sad, but I was, you know, a little more encouraged what I saw. I think that's how I leave it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a game that honestly, the whole game swung on the safety. Miami's yep. up 14, nothing has all the momentum in the world. And then we see, you know, you know, one of the, it has Barstool Sports said the worst play call in NFL history. And I'm not sure they're wrong. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. stupid. Yep. And I know some people are saying, well, the quarterback shouldn't throw it there. He said a guy would just don't call play like that. I don't know why when you have, you know, arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL, you run from a shotgun empty set with nobody back there to help your quarterback. And you run five wide receivers, essentially. It, the play made zero sense. And they were up 14 nothing. Next thing you know, it's, 14 to 2, but even at 14 to 2, it felt like they were behind by 40 because all the momentum went straight to the Raiders. And from that play, just yep. one single play, Miami's offense did nothing for a long stretch of the game. <clears throat> so one play literally turned around the entire game. And this offense, the reason it struggles, and I know it picked up late when they started to throw it a little more, but the reason it struggles is this offensive line, they moved around some pieces. Still wasn't very good. And I'll say this. I said it Sunday night after the game, and I stand by it on Wednesday. If Austin Jackson starts this week, after the after what we saw again last Sunday, if he starts as on the field this week at left tackle or at any position, the rest of the offense should go on a sit-down strike because this guy is killing them. He's killing them on too many plays, and he's just hurting them bad. Miles Gaskin, nice little runner. But as I said all offseason, not a lead back, and he cannot pass block either this year. I don't know what happened to him when it comes to pass blocking, not so much as a running back. Pass blocking, he's taking a big step back. Those two guys are killing this offense. They just are killing this offense. Not that the rest of the offensive line is any good, but those two guys are really hurting this offense. And what and it's been spoken about all week for those of you on social media, for those of you who have not, you know, I said it all offseason. The pain with this offensive line comes in that the Miami Dolphins are paying Eric Flowers $6 million to start for another team and play well. The Miami Dolphins had the guy for the Raiders, whose last name I always mix up, Illuminor, whoever. Yep. You know, all they signed him as a they signed him as a free agent, and he was one of their first cuts in September. And he's playing tremendous for the Raiders. Those two guys can't help us. What is why why sign them? And, you know, Flowers was here a year. He wasn't that bad last year. Maybe they overpaid for him. Then don't, then don't give him that big of a contract. But that don't mean you got to get rid of him because he was one of your, you know, it wasn't great, but he was good enough. And he's a lot better than most of the guys we got. And that's really all that matters. Um, so, uh, and to your point, Mike, and I know you and I were talking about this, and it's interesting as, as some information came out today on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they started looking at – the last couple of drafts for the Kansas city chiefs since Mahomes was drafted. And there was probably, I'd say probably a 20% success ratio with, uh, with players either still on the roster, making contributions, starting for the chiefs. When it comes to the dolphins, it's kind of the other way around. You know, they, they want these, I think they want these drafted players to play so badly that they are they're staying loyal to them to say we're we're going to make it we're going to make it work you know we're going to make it work in practice we're going to make it in the games and that doesn't work all the time you know also just look at at the New England Patriots i think the one thing that's clearly been said with the Patriots is that from a drafting perspective they stink but picking up free agents is where 
Belichick does an amazing job or has done an amazing job, right? Um, but anytime there's drafting, it, it doesn't always work. And I think that's where we're starting to see a big difference right now for, for this team because, you know, you start really looking under the hood at some of those drafted players and, you know, some of them are not working out. I'd say a small number of them are, and a greater number are not working out right now. And yeah, I think the two in that's loyalty. Loyalty will the, kill you. The two in particular that everyone get on, as they should, are Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany. Yep. You know, you can live – if Robert Hunt is just turns out to be an okay right guard, you know, he was a second-round pick. That's You can live with that. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but the guys who go in round one, you want at least on the field – playing which with Noah we don't get at all and yep. with Dawson Jackson it seems like each week he gets progressively worse so that's where that frustration comes from but your point there talking about the Chiefs and the Patriots what's the underlying factor if you hit the jackpot you get that mega millions ticket on a quarterback it doesn't matter because a great quarterback can disguise and mask flaws everywhere it doesn't matter if the Chiefs miss on every draft pick for the next five years Pat Mahomes is going to lead them to, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 wins or more and the Super Bowls just by picking up guys in free agency because they hit the jackpot on one. And the Patriots, since they've lost Brady, the rest of that team really hasn't changed much. It's still the same. It's not the same guys per se, but the rest of the team is still okay. Tom Brady carried a lot of teams that were just okay. Sure. Super Bowls. With Tom Brady gone, they're just, eh, nothing special. So, it's all about the quarterback. It's all about the quarterback. That's why when, you know, why the media focuses so much on quarterbacks, young and old, and that's why fans harp so much on guys like Tua Vailoa and if he has it or not, or is he the future? Because it's the only position that really matters. If you get a great quarterback, they can recruit offensive linemen to come play with them. You've got wide receivers who want to come play with them. You can build a team around a great quarterback so easy. If you got nothing at quarterback, you are just spinning your wheels in the mud and you're going to be bad forever until you get a good quarterback. So let me ask you this this question though, Mike, and, and I know there's talk and, and you mentioned already about Watson, but I'm, I'm going to use a different quarterback as an example. We see Matt Stafford, right? Go from the Lions who he's been killed with Detroit. His offensive line has always been a challenge even though he still puts up good statistical numbers, right? Yeah. Um, but he now goes to – he's with the Rams now, right? He's with the L.A. Rams. They're 3-0. and Looks He's great. having a career season. If Stafford is in the place as the Miami Dolphins quarterback with the existing offensive line that we have right now, will he have success? Would yes. he have success? Yes, he would have success. Maybe not as much success as he has with the Rams. He'd have success. And here's why. I know Miami's offensive line's bad. I get it. I get it, and I'm not going to make this excuse. But great players, and he's a even if he's not great, he's very good. So very good to great players make people around them better. They raise their game. He's going to know where to go with the ball quicker. He'll get rid of the ball quicker. The, he is more, you know, he's been around the block for a bit. He knows exactly what he's doing. That's why I don't want to talk Watson. But Watson last year in Houston, Watson did not have a lot of help, but he had an MVP year statistically, just not with wins on the field because the team around him wasn't very good. But statistically. He had like an MVP type year. And it's the same thing with Stafford. Stafford's going to put up numbers on a bad team with the Lions. And he would do the same thing in Miami, even with like a lackluster offensive line. He'd have great wide receivers in Miami like he has with the Rams. Running game probably wouldn't be as good. But the offensive line's bad in Miami. I get it. But this notion that any quarterback would fail here because of that offensive line isn't 
100% true. They might not reach their maximum success, but they're not going to be just brutally awful either. I, I, see, I, and, and I disagree with you on that because I do think that if the, the offensive line makes a difference for quarterbacks. And I think that, you know, Matt Stafford, you know, in L.A. right now versus Detroit is having a much better season. I think we also look at a Sam Bradford, you know, who was getting killed in New York, who's now having, a, again, a resurgence. And I think people tie that also to not having Adam Gase as a, as a head coach. Sam Darnold, not Sam Bradford. Sam Darnold, excuse me. Yep, Thank you for that. That's fine. It's fine. Um, and, but I think, I think there's a difference there. And I think that, um, yeah, they may have some success. But even, even Deshaun Watson, you know, the, he, had, he had one or two seasons where the offensive lines were horrible, as you mentioned. You know, that's why they took Laramie Tunsil. That's why they traded the house to get Laramie Tunsil because – you know, he 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 put up some numbers, but he couldn't get those teams to the wins because the offensive line was so bad and they couldn't continue. So I think it's I think it's an important conversation to have because I'm of the belief that it doesn't matter who you put back there. If we don't fix that offensive line, if we don't get that right, it's not going to matter. You know, and, and I think this has been a conversation, Mike, you know, for the last, what, 15, 20 years. Um, and, but I don't know. How do you fix it? You know, we've gone Five through veterans. three different offensive line coaches. All they got to do is pay a couple veterans. You can't go all youth and you can't go all veterans. I said it all offseason. true. Had a, a healthy mix of veterans and youth. We have too much youth. And that's in the one veteran we got. Jesse Davis is a great guy, nice person. He's just not a starting kind of – if he's your first guy off the bench, that's great. Honestly, that's a great role for him because he can play left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. That's what he's built for. But you, we have no veterans on this team anywhere, really, except for wide receiver, and they're all hurt. We have no wide receivers anywhere, and we just need a couple. If, if they went out there this year – and started Hunt at right guard. Let's say they wanted to go Jesse Davis at right tackle, Austin Jackson at left tackle, and just bought one guard and one center. That's all they had to do. And I think this offensive line would be in much better shape. And then if you draft Liam Meikenberg around two, you got him, you take, you can bring him along slowly instead of having to try to win five positions at once and throw him to the Wolves and probably ruin the kid. That's how you do it. We just don't have any veterans. We had Flowers and Ted Karras. We told him bye-bye, and we're paying for Flowers to play great for someone else. And we tried to sign Andrews from the Patriots, but we got cheap. Why, I don't know. We could have had him, or we could have re-signed Ted Karras, and we didn't even get cheap with him. We just told him to leave, which I get it. He wasn't outstanding last year, better than what we got. And that's the thing. The guys don't have to be outstanding if they're better than what you got. I don't know why you – that's the biggest issue. We don't yeah. have any veterans. Yeah, and we've every, gone through a couple different offensive line coaches, you know, trying to do the exact same thing with months. all these guys. Yeah, four and twenty-six months. Exactly. That's you know, a so lot. clearly, clearly, it's a it's a need for us to get better. Now, it's funny, Mike, because you and I are talking like the season's over and we're already nah. like packing it in. But you know, the fact of the matter is, we've only lost two games. You know, we're into week four. We've got an opportunity with an opponent this week that you know they're they're kind of reeling on their own with some of the issues and challenges they're having. So. You know, if we can get out of a Sunday with a two and two victory or a two and two record, it's a start. Um, it, you know, it is a start, and we've got you know we've got a long ways to go. There's seven longest season that we'll ever have in the NFL with 17 regular season games. And let's let's look at our schedule, Mike. We've talked about this before too. That schedule gets a lot easier once we finish that Buffalo game. Things look a lot a lot better for us, and we can start getting our 
getting our stuff together and start putting some things together. So I won't, I won't jump ahead, but no, 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 you're fine. Uh, uh, Cause I just want to go over a couple more things here from the Raiders game. Obviously the safety turn to play Jacoby Brissett, you know, he looked like a backup quarterback, which is what it is. That's why you bring him in to be a backup. You don't expect him to sort of carry teams to a win. Um, it is what it is. Waddle had 12 receptions. You would say that's a great day. He only had 58 yards. 58 yards. It'd be embarrassing. I mean, I don't know how a guy catches 12 balls for 58 yards. Hey, I got some great fantasy numbers for my PPR league. PPR league, yeah. Every pass doesn't have to be sideways. I don't get it. Um, And then the other side of the ball, the defense, which we thought would be great this year, they gave up 500 yards of offense. The Raiders had 10 plays of 23 yards or more. Let that sink in. I don't care that they played a whole fifth quarter. They had 10 plays. Of 23 yards or more, and Justin Coleman killed us. How he's on this team, once again, yep. like Austin Jackson, if he's on the field Sunday, the rest of the defense should have a sit-down strike. I mean, if Noah Igbenogany can't beat out Justin Coleman, I, I, whew, that's scary. And on third down, which was a strength last year for Miami, can't get off the field this year. Positive? Here's a positive. Jalen Phillips started was on the field, I think, for like 60% of the snaps, roughly, somewhere around that number. And I thought the kid looked really good. I thought he looked like a certified G and a bona fide stud. He was outstanding, I thought. He was bull rushing those offensive linemen. Get better. beautiful. I'm just glad they put him on the field because he, he, once again, he took him around one. Let's play the kid. Um, so far, I'll tell this, you who else. And I know I know his name yeah. hasn't gotten mentioned, but Emmanuel Ogba. I was um, had a good year. Yeah, he's, he's had 15 quarterback pressures, which is – since uh, uh since, yeah, since right. Cameron Wake uh, oh, has okay. been here, he's fifth on the list for number of quarterback pressures uh, through through three weeks in the season. So yeah, he's, I think he's, he's tied for eighth in the NFL this year as well. Correct, which correct. Is, you know, so he's having it. himself, even though he hasn't been getting to the quarterback, he's now, been pressuring well, plenty. Here's my next staff for you. So the Miami Dolphins this year are blitzing 44.3 percent of the time, but they only have four sacks, which is fourth, which is fourth. Fewest in the NFL. So hopefully that's going to change here in the upcoming weeks. That's a, that's a small sample size. I get it. But that's a lot of blitzing, 44. That's like half the time. Um, so we'll see. Overall, here's some stats for the offense that just threw three games. For points, they're ranked 30th. There's only 32 teams. For yards, they're ranked 29th. Passing, 29th. Rushing, 23rd. First downs, 28th. Yards per play, 31st. That's abysmal. Um, that, but Hey, look, we're at rock bottom, only one where to go, only one place to go at this point. Well, I, I guess it could go down, but let's hope it don't get that bad. I think as long as the jets and the Chicago bears are in the league, we won't be last in anything, <laughs> but we might be, we might be their neighbors like state farm. <laughs> um, and the quote that, you know, just drove everyone nuts. Eric Studsville spoke to the media on Tuesday Oh, I heard uh, about this. Yeah, about the defense. I mean, it, it just goes to Why show, are we throwing the ball further down the field? That was the question. Well, right? there's, yeah, he, he pretty much goes uh, during his press conference says that they're talking about trying to get more explosive plays, but at times they're limited because of what the defense gives us. That's not how it works. You got the ball. You dictate to the defense what they do. You dictate to them. You don't let the defense dictate to you. That's why experienced offensive coordinator would be nice. And I'm a. <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing, and I don't know interesting thing, but the unfortunate thing is that, you know, we were throwing the ball down the field when the Ra- the Raiders knew the Dolphins exactly, were going to need to throw long. to them. Correct. That's how it works in this And they, had, and they were playing back because they knew that those long passes were going to happen, and we still threw it. 
So why can't we do that earlier in the game? Because you do that, it changes the mindset of the defense that's playing the Dolphins because you know, you know, they know that, okay, this is an option, right? Well, there's two reasons why you know. One is fear. They are afraid of their offensive line getting the quarterback killed because they can't hold a block that long to throw it deep. I get that fear. They should have that fear. We all have that fear. The other reason is, and this is just an inexperienced offensive coaching staff where he, where who knows who the hell's calling the plays because because you hear something from one guy, some from the other guy, some from this guy. Head coach says it's a group effort. They just need an experienced offensive coordinator, which you're not going to get this year, and to run an offense. And when you have an experienced offensive coordinators, a quote like this, even if it's somewhat out of context, not really what he meant, blah, 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 sometimes I think that's what it meant because you – you never hear the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. You never hear, you know, Tom Brady say, you know, we're going to take what the defense gives us. Screw you. We're going to run our offense. You try and stop it. Good luck. That's how the NFL works. We right. run our offense. You try and stop it. If you stop it, we'll adjust. If you don't stop it, we're going to run it all day long. That's what the great offenses do. And our staff is saying, well, we're going to let the defense sort of dictate to us. And that's where you buy your ranked. 30th in yards, 29th in passing, 29th in rushing, 23rd first down, 28th in yards per play, and all that, whatever. So it's. I will add one more thing, and I know we haven't talked about it, and and I know this is not an excuse at all, um, because the Dolphins should not have been in this situation at the end of the game. But there were two uncalled pass interferences, and that pass interference that they called against the Dolphins last season on that Thursday night game, I think, was not as egregious as the pass interference that occurred in the end zone. Well, I don't um, think the one they called last year should have been called at all. That's the issue. Correct. But, correct. Okay, is what it is, and they. And I understand they're they're probably thinking, well, we don't want to change the outcome of the game, but they were okay with changing the outcome of the game last year, or yeah. trying to change the outcome outcome of the game last year. It's not the same guys, though, so we can't put it on those. I guys. know. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, it should have been called. Period. It should have been called. But once again, when you're up fourteen nothing to Dolphins and you run the dumbest play in the history of the NFL in your end zone, shouldn't have, no, shouldn't nobody's going to have sympathy for you. Correct. You had the game in your hands to just not saying you got to hold on to that lead the entire game, but it shouldn't have gotten out of hand the way it did. So that's why uh, it is what it is. Moving on, it's that time of the show, Ian. It oh, is. I love this time of the show, Mike. Let's move on from the Raiders game, and we're going to clip those Raiders. That's we're gonna, right. We're gonna... Because. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using the promo code DOLPHINSTALK to save 20% on your order and get free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 for Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. After trimming your footballs, show them some love. With Manscaped's liquid formulation, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. And they are here to take your balls game to the next level. Ooh, that's worded. Um, anyways, go to manscaped.com. Use a promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Save 20% on your order. Get free shipping. They, of course, ship. To England, our friends in the UK. They ship to Australia, Singapore, South Africa, Canada, Mexico, and all across here. Footmanscape.com. Also, our friends at BetUS. Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force with Major League Baseball, UFC, PGA, LPGA, WNBA, 
college football, and of course the NFL. And you need the one sports book with integrity and longevity, BetUS.com. You may already know this, but BetUS have been the pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That's BetUS.com. And they have loads of bonuses. So join now at BetUS.com or call 800-69-BETUS. That's 800-MY-BETUS. And use the promo code DolphinsTalk to get a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, promo code DolphinsTalk, 125% sign-up bonus. If you pay by crypto, use the use the promo code DolphinsTalk200 and get a 200% sign-up bonus. BetUS has all of your MLB and NFL games with teams and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups, live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Everyone go to Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. All right, Ian, we got a few mailbag questions this week. I love the mailbag. Wait, wait. Mailbag? I love the mailbag video. I know you, I'm, I'm just queuing it up because I know yep, you're about to start. Here it. we go. Okay. With the mailbag. Here comes the Dolphins talk. Mailbag, got your email factors and your notes. Here comes the Dolphins talk. Mailbag, gotta read some for all you folks. Before you read the first question, Mike, I want to remind everybody who's watching. I know we got some folks watching on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Please hit the like button. It does help us when you click on that like button. And, uh, even if you don't like what you're hearing, go ahead and click on the like button. because oh, uh, You can hit the like us. button and just stop watching. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. First email bag question from Baldwin in Miami, Florida. What games are the Miami Dolphins wearing their throwback jerseys this year? I'm not 100% sure because they haven't released a schedule like they have in years past, but there's a clue and a rumor and a hint they might be wearing them this weekend. I just don't know. That would be great, um, you know, because we are going to have all the uh, the alumni there for Alumni Weekend. But you know when they usually like to do it also? Is holiday a, time. Ho- holiday time and also primetime games at Hard Rock Stadium. So I wouldn't be surprised if that Thursday nighter against the Baltimore Ravens, um, if that's going to be I, – I would not be surprised for that being at least one of the throwback games. Yeah, the, yeah, and usually later in the year, around November, Black Friday into Christmas, because they know people are shopping. They want yeah, you to buy both new and buy the throwback because the Miami Dolphins are a business who like to make money. Um, talking next about that real quick, and I know you're going to go to the yeah, next question. I had to buy my daughter a Dolphins jersey, her first ever Dolphins who, jersey. She finally asked for it? one. Is it a certain player who? Yeah. Was it Tua? Yeah. Oh, okay. She wanted the Tua jersey, so I got her the Tua jersey. She'll be coming tomorrow, I think. Or Friday. Well, Should be here by Friday. Well, in about eight hours when they trade for Watson, that'll be worth about 20 cents on the dollar. But okay, yeah, well, that's good. That's what she wanted. She <laughs> loves know, Tua. Loves the, loves the the clean hey, one on her jersey. There are going to be thousands of fans <laughs> if, that, if, if it happens. Yeah. Um, From Jack in 96 South Carolina. 96. I didn't know that was at Rotor Street. Um, I heard Trent Dilfer on the Rich Eisen Show, and it was mentioned Charlie Fry is actually calling the plays for Dolphins this year. Who is actually calling the plays, and why is it so complicated? Jack <laughs> in South Carolina, I have no idea. And guess what? We're never going to know. Because I think the know. truth is, you know, George 
it's probably George Gatsi. But the thing is, when Trent Dilfer, who is close with Tua, because Tua paid him to work with him in the pre-draft build-up, their friend, and he went to his camp when he was still in high school, Tua is tight with Trent Dilfer. So for Trent Dilfer to say it's Charlie Fry, I'm thinking it might be Charlie Fry, but who the heck knows? And you're right, it shouldn't be this complicated. Here, here's what I heard, and, and I think this is probably more true than I think just Charlie Fry picking the picking the uh, the plays. I think I think what gets sent to Charlie Fry is two plays, and then Charlie then looks at the field, assesses what's going on, and can choose between the two. But let's be honest too, when Charlie sends it to Tua, right? Because because yeah. he's the one that's got the the mic and or the headphones into his uh, to his ear. Tua has the option to to change it and audible out as well, right? Based on what he sees right. from the coverage and things like that. So I know we're making a big deal about who's calling plays, but at the end of the day, Tua can change whatever play he's got out there. With the person up. Or whoever, or, or yeah, Jacoby, right, exactly. I know who's not calling the plays. That's Eric Studesville. Because every time they shoot Correct. him on the sideline, when they have the ball, his microphone thing is up by the top. Of the yeah, side. he's not calling He's anybody. not even talking to anybody. Right. So he's we can figure that in. part out. So we're down to two in George Gatsy and Fry. And if what you're saying, which it might be right, who the heck knows, they are sending two plays down to Fry. Then Charlie Fry is essentially calling the place because he has the option to call. So it's 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 not working. I know that much. Um, Andy in Macon, Georgia. Mike, I read your tweets. Thank you for reading my Twitter feed. Mike, I read your tweet today on the new Patriots book. Oh, this was a good one. Do you really think it's possible? Bill O'Brien, who was trying to get fired on purpose, sent all those picks to Miami to try and get fired. Did you see this? No, I missed it. Okay, let me explain this. This is the greatest. There's uh, – ESPN senior writer who spent, I don't know, the past however many years writing a tell-all book on the Patriots. He's talked to everyone involved. He hasn't talked to Brady or Kraft, but he's literally talked to everyone else. And Pill O'Brien, I think it was like, I don't know how many years. It was recently. Um, it was leaked that Kraft and Tom Brady do not like Bill Belichick. There was a rift. Many the past, do. And the past so many years there was a rift. And the rift was possible – Get rid of Bill Belichick and hire a new coach, either Josh McDaniels. And O'Brien thought, because he had more recent head coaching experience with Houston, if I can get out of Houston and get out of this deal, I might be able to get the Patriots head coaching job, which obviously is a much better job in every way possible because you got Tom Brady on your side there. So um, the here's – let me find it. Oh, here it is. I printed it. So it's from ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham – um, and it's coming out October 12th. Uh, Pill O'Brien told a colleague in Houston he tried to get fired as coach of the Houston Texans because he thought he might be able to succeed Bill Belichick. In the end, though, the Texans chose O'Brien over Smith, who was the general manager, and he gave O'Brien more control over football operations. O'Brien later joked to a confidant that it was somewhat of an empty victory. I was trying to get fired. So <laughs> O'Brien, the guy, is – he told he, he didn't say this publicly. He's telling close friends who then leaked this to the author. He thought he had a chance to become the Patriots head coach, so he was trying to get fired. And then Houston kept giving him more power and more power. He's like, "What do I have to do to get fired?" So I joked, maybe that's why they made the Larry Tunsil trade because you got a head coach trying to get fired. I don't know that that might just be a leap. That seems really far fetched, doesn't I, it? No, no think about I, it. No, there have been guys in this league because here's why: he can't quit. If he quits, he's still tied to Houston contract. That he can go coach somewhere else. Houston owns his rights. So he had to get fired. If he thought through Tom Brady and friends he has with the Patriots, 
the only way I can get this Patriots job, which might be open in like a month, is to get fired. I want to get fired. So do I think that's the reason they made the trade for Tunsil? No. Do I think it's absolutely true he was trying to get fired in Houston? Yes, I do, because I think this happens a lot more in this league than you think. Guys, they see other openings about to come open that they might want. How do I get out of my contract? I got to get fired. So but but here's, here's the way I look at it, right? Because you make the trade for Laramie Tunsil. You make it because he was the top offensive lineman in free agency that year. Or I'm yeah. sorry, he, not in free agent, but he was he was one of the top offensive linemen. He was going to get paid like a top offensive lineman. And you did that because you thought that would help your offense. So I don't know how you're going to bring in a player to help was, your offense. Because he, because there was no one else offering anything for Tunsil. He was no other team even knew he was on the market. Houston just kept calling. He probably could have got him for half of what they gave up. He was pretty much bidding against himself, which makes you think maybe he was just trying to, you know, what I'm going to give away everything. Then they have to fire him. <laughs> but no, or maybe they'll have to stop this. And so what's it? I don't know. It's a leap, but two, I think. Cole Bryan was trying to get fired out of Houston? Absolutely. Because why wouldn't you want to potentially, if Tom Brady, if he can pull a coup to get rid of the head coach and have a guy he wants as head coach, that probably would have happened. Um, so and I so saw that, a great uh, a great chat. And, or O'Brien, he's doing great in uh, Alabama right now. Jesus Christ, I can coach Alabama. It ain't that tough. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Chris, all got first-round picks there, right? Exactly. Uh, but that's going to be a good book October 12th. I think all fans are going to want to read. There was even a part on Flores that um, – and I know we don't like talking politics, and it's really not about politics. It's more just a general statement that Trump at a rally read a letter of endorsement from Bill Belichick, and the whole team got pissed. And ah, Flores okay. went to Bill Belichick. This was after the Super Bowl against the Rams. He goes, look, Trump read the statement. The whole team's mad. You have to talk to the team. And Bill Belichick spoke to the team, but he really just gave him lip service and say nothing. And so Flores was kind of like the voice for the team in that one instance. So this looks like an outstanding book on October 12th with a lot of great stories and a lot of great behind the scenes. That I know I'm going to read. <laughs> well, before that, I'm going to be watching uh, uh, Sunday night's game, night game. Tampa Bay be, uh, versus. Uh, I think it's, it's. They're talking about it possibly being one of the most watched television sporting events. It will be for a half because I think at at about halftime it's going to be a blowout, but it will be at yeah. A half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Patriots okay. are going to be killing the the box, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, next question, last question from Mike okay. in Cape Coral, Florida. Do, it's a two part question. Part one, does Noah Igbenogany have any trade value? Short answer, no. Nope. Not if you're um, playing. You're not playing. And you ain't got playing. no value. You, you, no. Um, second question, should the Miami Dolphins sign linebacker Jamie Collins? Well, they just gave up 500 yards of offense to the Raiders, so might not be the worst idea in the world. Not sure if it's going to solve anything, right. but sure as hell can't hurt. Yeah, and he just got let go by the Jets, right? Lions. That was Lions, right. Yeah, that was – He's a former Patriot, knows Flores. That's why there's ties. And plus, Miami needs linebacker help. And there was rumors, there was rumors Miami was talking to the Lions about a trade because they were sh- they were shopping him for a few weeks and they were talking to a few teams. Miami was rumored to be one of those teams. Obviously, nothing came because why would anybody trade for a guy who's about to be cut? So right. Nobody's going to trade for a guy now that he, he had just, a large contract. And now his contract was fully guaranteed or mostly fully yeah, guaranteed so by the Lions. It wouldn't cost Miami much to sign him or any team much. Uh, I don't know. Nothing surprises me. Don't know if it. Uh, once again, he would help, but he's not going to like make him drastically improved on that side of the ball. Um, so there's and one quick question that yeah. wasn't in the mailbag, but somebody added to the chat. I think this is a good question. Is Flores? I said this 
Remember that Jason Lockenfora article in the summer where he listed like five people on the hot seat and one of them was like Chris Greer? And yeah. I said, I don't know why people are flipping out over this because every head coach outside of like Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, and, you know, like five – tell us I have like five head coaches. Every head coach is on the hot seat. Yeah, every head coach, every general manager is always on the hot seat. It's the way it is in this league. Yeah. I don't care what you did last year. It's a what have you done for me lately league. And I don't think it's going to happen. But say Miami went like – Four and thirteen. Yeah, they're in trouble, but I don't think that'll happen. If it did, but if they win, you know, eight, nine, ten games, they're going to be fine. Even if they miss the playoffs, but if they win three, four, five games, yeah, they're in trouble. The seat's hot. That's how yeah. this league is. Nobody cares about last year. Well, Nobody. I think they ask, is it is it a reflection more of Flores or is it a reflection of Greer? And I, I would have to say both. Both. Um, yeah, I, I think they have equal responsibility because Greer is the one that finds them, but then Flores is the one that has to coach them up and make sure that players fit within the system. So I think they are both equally responsible for the success or failure reports, of the team. And from all reports, from what they at least put out, they say they make a lot of these calls as one. They right. are in unison. They agree on these decisions, and they make a lot. Now, once again. That's what we hear from them, and I'm sure they want to put out a unified front. Who knows if it's actually true? Yep. The other thing I'll say is, and this is why teams, this is why Parcells took Jake Long over Matt Ryan. A lot of teams do not like taking quarterbacks at the top of round one. Because if you take a quarterback at the top of round one and he misses, you're done. Right. There has not been a you're head coach or GM. You're tied right. to him, and they are you are married to them. So if you take a quarterback at the top of round one and he fails, you're done. You can't yeah. survive that, which is why, once again, Watson rumors are out there. That might be a mulligan for them taking the off-the-field stuff off the table. That might be a mulligan, like, we screwed up, but we still solved the quarterback issue at least. We're good. So that's probably why they're interested. Once again, that's not a knock on two. It just, just might be some of the thought process behind such a move because if you take one at the top round one, you can't name me a head coach that survived that and failed or a general manager because you sink with them. Because you're married to him. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think the other way to think about it, too, though, is if you do take, you know, you do make that trade for Watson, which is going to cost a couple of number one draft picks, right? First round draft picks. Then you don't have a first round draft pick for the next two to three years, yeah. right? So well, you so, solved your quarterback issue, which, again, you have a great quarterback. I don't care about the draft. It, yeah. it's, look it's at true. what the Rams and Seattle does. They don't have first round picks for the next guy. Knows, they don't care. Because if right. you have a good team and you have a solid quarterback play, just sign free agents. I know it's nice and it's fans romanticize about build through the draft. And yes, there is something to that, but it's not the only way. <clears throat> the Broncos with Peyton Manning a few years ago when they won their Super Bowl, that team was bought and paid for with free agents. Tampa Bay last year, bought and paid for with free agents. There True. are other avenues and Miami even if they do trade away a bunch of those picks they're not trading Austin Jackson they're not trading Noah Igbenogany they're not trading Robert Hunt they're not trading away Cron Davis they're not trading Waddle they're not trading Jalen Phillips they're not trading Liam Eikenberg they've had a fortune of extra first round picks these past two years of guys who won't go anywhere so yeah you might be parting with first round picks in 2022 2023 maybe even 2024 but you've had extra picks in recent years to help disguise that they just have to play well yeah so okay i understand the logic we'll see i mean who knows who knows colts game this sunday uh they have a lot of injuries i think they have like nine guys on the uh injury report who didn't practice the two of of i would say name value quentin nelson their superstar offensive lineman seems to be out 
and Quiddy Pay, the rookie, who's actually played well this year. Um, not sure if he's going to be out or not, but he's on the injury report. They got a lot of injuries, Ian. Just uh, what are your big picture thoughts about the Colts game this weekend? I think it's a very winnable game, Mike. Uh, you know, through all the troubles that we've had over the last couple of weeks, you know, we've played against some pretty tough teams, both offensive and defensive um, teams. And I think this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to actually get a W. I think if, and I, I, I think if they can duplicate what they did in the fourth quarter and overtime last year and spread that out or not last year, last week, excuse me, if they can spread that out over four quarters, we could score the heck out of them. We could beat them by 20 or 30 points, but you've got to have the right game plan to be able to do that. You know, and, and clearly Brissett has the arm to be able to throw the ball 40 or 50 yards down the field. And let's be honest, he might not get them to connect every time, but eventually the referees are going to pull the flags out and call some pass interference calls when it's appropriate. So you do that. It changes the whole complexion of the game not just for those passes, but also allows you to run more, allows you to throw some of those underneath passes a little bit more frequently and with more success. Um, so I, that's what we need. None of this dink and dunking stuff anymore. If Jalen Waddell doesn't have at least 80 to 100 yards, then we're doing something wrong. Um, if And we'll see what happens with, um, with Fuller because obviously he got hurt on that last non-pass interference call that wasn't called. Um, but you know, I would expect him to be able to run some outs and start, you know, outrunning the defense. But we'll see. That I'm I'm really expecting a higher scoring game from the Miami Dolphins, and I think I think they're they're going to beat this uh, this Indianapolis Colts team on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, on offense, they got to score some more points. They got to open up this, which I know it's tough because the offensive line hampers you. I get it. I get it. But I would try some more. I don't. I mean, I. I don't know. Double tight um, end, right? That works. Yeah, That'll do it I mean, for you, too. Keep feeding Mike Gusecki, Keep feeding Waddle. They seem to be getting open, at least. Feed those guys. Parker's played well so far. He, I know he had the one drop in the end zone there against the Bills. But in general, he's played well. So I would just feed the guys who are playing well. And on the other side of the ball, they got to play better on defense. I know we don't talk about that side of the ball a lot because they've been so good the past year or so. But so far this year, they have not been that good on defense. Yep. They really haven't. They gave up 35 to the Bills, they gave up 500 yards here to the Raiders. They just, it, it, it's not the same group as last year. It's a lot of the same names. It's not the same group, though. So they got to get better on that side of the ball, um, clearly. And if Justin Coleman can't stop anybody, you know what? Throw Noah out there. Let him. I, I don't know Sink how he can be any at this worse. Point. I don't know how he can be any worse. Yeah. So you might as well throw him out there. And if he is worse, then at least let the fans. Have an opportunity to boom. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. But, uh, okay, so let's get to it. It's time for... It's now time for Mike's Fearless Prediction. All right, so the Colts are 0-3, but they have lost to three very good teams. They lost to the Seahawks, Rams, and the Titans. Miami, on the other hand, is 1-2, and and my picks this year... Are two and one. So there's a little numbers game for you. Um, to me, you look around the AFC, and I know it's like, how could you start talking about the playoffs at 17 games? Look around the AFC right now. You have the AFC North, you got the Browns and Ravens. I think it's going to be a fight all year with those two at the top. They're two very good teams. AFC West, the Chiefs are in last place. You got the Broncos and Raiders undefeated. The Chargers look damn good. I'm not saying this is a big game. Yeah, I am. It's a big game because 
there's only so many wild card spots. And when you got the AFC West looking like it is this early, they're going to eat up a couple wild card spots. You'll probably get a spot from the AFC North. For Miami to even have a chance, or the Colts, they got to start winning now. This is a de facto playoff game this week because when it comes to tiebreakers, Miami already does not own one against the Raiders, and you don't want to not own one against the Colts either. So this is a big, big game in your house. First weekend of October, you got to find a way here. And I know with this offense, it's tough. You're limited because your offensive line can only do so much. But to real, it really comes down to can they do anything on offense? And I know when you look at this game between Wentz and Jacoby Brissett, it's not exactly Elway versus Marino. I get it. But I think you got to come out, throw the ball a little more, commit to the run more than they have been, and try to at least control tempo, try to control the line of try to control the line of scrimmage, and try to just get out of this funk that they're in. Just overall on both sides of the ball. And the Colts might be a team that's 0-3, a lot of injuries. Carson Wentz. It's, it's Carson Wentz. Okay. I mean, come on. So this week, my prediction is. I think that the Miami Dolphins will actually win this game, 20-17. to 17. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. I think it's going to be a nail-biter. I think it's going to come down probably to a last-second field goal by Jason Sanders. But I do think Miami will win 20-17 to because when I look across the field, I know we got Jacoby Brissett. When I see Carson Wentz, I see Pat Mahomes minus the everything. I am just not that impressed with Carson Wentz, and I think – the Miami Dolphins win this game. They get to two and two, and then we sort of take it from there. But I got Miami winning twenty to seventeen. My turn. Yeah, do I get? To, I'm going to do my hat. I'm going to take my hat Go off because I got to do my my little hat thing. And you can see I'm I'm balding up there, which is never <laughs> good. All right, Dolphins versus Colts. They're going to win it, man. But I'm disagreeing with you. I think they're going to make. I think they're going to put some points on the board. Thirty-four to fourteen. I think is is going to be the final score. I think the Dolphins are going to put some points on the board, both on offense and defense. As you mentioned, Carson Wentz um, is not is not a top tier quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, he got some bad ankles too. <laughs> yep, bad ankles. Running back has they have zero running game at the moment right now. They've got a lot of players that are hurt, and I think the Dolphins can take advantage of that. So. I'm I'm looking for uh, the Dolphins to to make up some ground on points scored per game this coming Sunday. Yep, and uh, hopefully we're right. I don't care who's right on the score. I just want to win. Yep. Um, I don't so, care if it's thirty-four exactly. to thirty-three. I, I don't care win. if it's three nothing. Honestly, yep. just win the game. So uh, as we wrap up here, as always, some plugs. Be sure every morning go to MiamiDolphins.com. Read the Blitz. MiamiDolphins.com. I am writing the Blitz. So uh, everyone check that out every morning. Be sure to follow Ian Berger uh, at Ian693 underscore on Twitter. Also follow his YouTube page. Go and search Big E Miami Dolphins. You can follow myself on Twitter at Dolphins Talk. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to that channel. Smash that like button. And if you're not subscribed or you're not watching on YouTube, go to our YouTube channel. We have so much original content that we don't put up on the website. We have a show with Josh Katzker and David Behrman of ESPN each and every week. A show with Tom and myself, The Gambling Corner, each and every week. We got a show with Bobby Melendez and Hank each and every week. We got shows that we just do on YouTube. So it has all content all about the Miami Dolphins. So check out that as well. Um, check out the website, dolphinstalk.com. As always, new latest news, rumors, updates, everything you need, podcasts. We got so many podcasts. I can't even begin to mention them all. And, of course, 
And of course, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but it doesn't matter because I think we're done. Um, oh, wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify, TuneIn, Podbeat, Stitcher, make sure you subscribe to it so when the latest episode drops, it goes straight to your smart device. And we just dropped a new show this afternoon with Kevin Dern, the latest episode of Dolphins Talk Weekly. So check that out as well. I have Alvin. a fantasy football question before Shoot, we exit out of here, Mike. It. Somebody just offered me a trade for Alvin Kamara. Okay. Alvin was my number you? one pick. Gibson from Washington and Odell Beckham Jr. No, because I think Odell's nothing special. Oh, no. He had a good week last week. I know, but he's always hurt. And I, uh, I'd, I'd rather ride out Alvin Kamara. Okay. He's he's had he's had up and down weeks. So I know far, he has, but uh, I don't like to part with early round picks this early in the season. You took him number one for a reason. Yep. I, I would ride that out at least a couple more weeks I'm before you. I'm one out of three weeks in that league, so I'm a little I'm a little yeah. desperate. But uh, you're, I you're, I this hasn't right. been a good year for me for fantasy. It, it's been very up and down. It hasn't yeah. been a strong year. You know who's really hurt me? And I didn't take him high, so it's not a big deal. Robbie Anderson for the Panthers, who had a oh, great year. Nothing. Here. I got DJ least, Moore, so he's been yeah, taking all. More, his receptions. I have him in one league. Yep. And then in two other leagues, I got Robbie Anderson. So I'm watching a lot of Panthers games this year. And I'm like, Moore is great in the one league. Robbie Anderson stinks on toast. He had one target last game. He didn't even have a catch, yep. I don't think. Oh, he's killing me. It's crazy, man. Anyways, everyone, right. have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you again after a while. Fins up, everybody. Thank you for listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast. Be sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com every day for all of your latest Miami Dolphins news.